1: Alrighty, welcome to the Celtics Lab Podcast. I am your host, Cameron Tucks. I am joined by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. It is, we're in, we're in the great beyond. The trade deadline has come and gone, and the Celtics made a move, but maybe not the move uh, folks were expecting, although Justin nailed it completely. Justin's sick. I'm sick. Alex is covered in cats, and yet we persist. We welcome in to discuss the newest member of the Boston Celtics, Clemente Almanza of Thunderwire, because the Boston Celtics just traded for Mike Moscala, formerly of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Clemente, how are you?
2: no oh, I'm, I'm great, guys. I mean, I'm excited to be on the pod, talk to some Mike Mascala, Um, But like, yeah, I'm excited.
1: Yeah, so here's the deal. If anyone doesn't know the specifics, Boston is sending Oklahoma City Justin Jackson Jr. We hardly knew ye. And technically two second round picks, but one of those is a swap to this draft. And then the second one is in 2029. Uh, so the Celtics got Mike Mascala for pretty cheap, and they were able to use their traded player exception to absorb his not particularly hefty $3.5 million contract. Uh, Justin, you nailed this. You and I both have, have been on this for over a year now, but I think you nailed this exactly. I want to take a victory lap.
3: I mean, I can't really be all that, uh, you know, tooting my own horn here because he's close to seven feet tall. He can shoot. Uh, He's cheap. He has another year under a team option with all that going for him. He was one of the more logical candidates. Uh, The kicker was that he had to agree to go where he was going because of the rules of his contract. So that was one of the things that was making it not super, super likely, but everything worked out for, you know, what happened. So I'm pretty happy about that.
1: So, Clemente, you are the editor at uh, Thunderwire. So, presumably, you know Moscala pretty well. Uh, help us understand who this guy is, what he's good at, what his weaknesses are, and what he brings to Boston.
2: Yeah, I mean, Mike's been with the Thunder now. This is this was his fourth season, so he's been here for a little bit now. Um, he, he was tied with Shea, uh, Lou Dorrit, and Darius Baisley for the longest tenured players on the team. Um, what he brings is, you know, his pro-ticket prototypical stretch big off the bench. You can shoot the ball really well. Um, I think in the four seasons with the funder, I think he's shooting nearly um, 39% from free um, on nearly four attempts. So, like, even though, you know, and, like, Muscala has gotten, like, a, a ton of, like, national attention because the funder over the last couple of years have been a rebuilding team. Um, but he's been, like, one of the best stretch bigs in the league um, during an entire stretch. Um, if you look at his on-off numbers, it's like, one of the best on the team. Um... Um I, I, which isn't too surprising when you consider the fact that Shea leads the league in drives per game and if he's around Shea with someone that can special the floor a little bit in Muscala, then obviously that's gonna produce high level offense. Um he can defend a little bit as well. Um great locker room guy. Um all of the young guys here absolutely love Mike. Great, great with the media as well. Um he's just a, a very solid uh veteran who, who can provide spacing.
1: Yeah, can um can I ask you to hone in a little more on the defensive end? I mean, I think folks know that he shoots roughly forty percent from three on several attempts per game, and he's pretty been pretty consistent there. But where's he at defensively? Um, is that are you being euphemistic, or is he a a good, a good defender?
2: Well, he can hold his own is on the floor. Um, that that's really all you can really ask for for a guy like Muscala. He's thirty one years old. who's more of a stretch big. who's had ankle problems his last couple of years. Um. Like, he he can definitely hold his own against guys, especially against guys his size. Now, if teams are switching onto to him with like one of their faster faster guards on the roster, then obviously that's going to create a mismatch problem. But you can say that about a, a ton of players like Muscala. But overall, I mean, um, Mark Dagnall values defense a lot. And if you don't play defense, then you're not going to see the floor. Um, and obviously, you know, considering Muscala has been a key part of the rotation since he's gotten here, Obviously he's he's done his part in terms of in terms of defense. He might be limited size wise and talent wise, but um effort's not gonna be a problem with him.
1: Cool, oh, I'd like to hear that. Um am I right that he doesn't have he has neither Twitter nor Instagram?
2: Yeah, he doesn't have either social media. He, his dad does though. His dad's pretty active on Twitter. Um <laughs> so we
0: don't we don't maybe need to get too into Mike Muscala's dad's Twitter. Um listeners, oh. you can check that out if you want, but it's not yeah. great.
3: <laughs>
1: oh, I don't know what we're talking about, and I'm I'm alarmed. I shouldn't have asked. Uh, let's just say that his
3: dad has some questionable viewpoints on race. Oh yeah. no! <laughs> but it's not Mike; it's his dad, and no, Mike. Lots of Mike's us have surprised. problematic dads.
1: Man, that's we could end the pond there. What a great summary of life. That's a good memoir title, Justin. Lots of us have contacted <laughs> Okay, let's, let's focus, everyone. Uh, Clemente, any other thoughts on Muscala? Do you think that's fair return? And, and do you get a sense that there was any sort of big war going on?
2: Uh, I was a little bit surprised he was traded, honestly. Um, ever since he's been here, he's talked about how much he loved the cities and how much he, he's grown accustomed to living in Oklahoma City. I think his girlfriend's from here as well. Um, and they had an apartment together. Um, so I was a little bit surprised that Muscala got dealt. Um, but in terms of like, the actual trade, I think it's about expected value. I mean, you get two second-round picks, um, one in 2029 20, and one that's probably going to be in the 50s. Um, maybe OKC could have gotten a little bit more, but like in terms of like what you could have realistically expected from Mike, I think that's about as good as you'll get. Um, in terms of like there being a market for him, I mean, I'm sure other teams call for Mike as well. I mean, like you mentioned, he's on a cheap salary. He's on. He has a team option for next season as well. Um, and, you know, he provides spacing as a as a stretch big, and that's always something that's uh, super valuable in today's game. Um, so I'm sure other teams call it as well. But um, overall, I mean, I think the is fine. I think the fund. if I degrade the, the deal for on the funder side of things, I'll probably give it like a, a C plus, B minus, but yeah.
1: Yeah, I guess it's worth pointing out that the, the Celtics front office and the Thunder front office have something of a relationship. So maybe this was... Uh, not a sweetheart deal, but maybe that had something to do with the favorable terms that Boston got, because uh, it's really like a perfect deal for the Celtics. Um, They functionally don't surrender anything that, that is going to change the, their fortunes moving forward. And they bring in a starter quality or nearly starter quality big man in reserve who is a veteran who's been up and down. I mean, this was an A++ for a Celtics team that really was working around the margins anyways. um, Alex or Justin, I assume you agree? Uh, yeah.
3: Do, let me just jump in real quick to say that that 2029 pick might actually be pretty valuable, depending on how the Celtics, uh, shall we say, trajectory goes in that, that uh, future realm. But uh, it's also worth mentioning that Muscala has some experience playing alongside Al Horford in Oklahoma City, as well as previously uh, when they were both in Atlanta.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the things about Muscala is he's a journeyman. He's bounced around the league a little bit at this point, Uh, Atlanta, Philly, Oklahoma City. Um, And in each one of those places that he's been, he has just kind of been a pretty effective plug and play guy. Um, You know, I think at this point in his career, I'm thinking that he's going to get minutes on this team. I don't expect that his role will be gigantic outside of giving Al Horford and Robert Williams some games off and maybe getting a couple of spot minutes here and there, depending on a playoff series, but, you know, he's just another option to have in the front court and to kind of add to what was already looking to be, I think, a pretty strong playoff rotation. The key for Boston, of course, is that they really did not give up any particularly meaningful pieces outside of that second round pick that you mentioned, Justin. And the thing about that is Boston is in a position now where they have acquired a solid player through not that much outside of a second round pick. Um, They have all of their future flexibility when it comes to picks, uh, first round picks outside of the picks they've traded for Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon, um, which is still a pretty substantial amount. Um, And they have a decent amount of change to work with on the buyout market, where they're expected to be one of the top players in a buyout market that I think is going to be unusually heavy on talent this year. So if you look at the sum total of what Brad Stevens did leading up to the trade deadline, it's not like Mike Muscala is like a sexy big time move. That's, you know, Oh, the Celtics are overwhelmingly the title favorite. Now what it is, is a solid single that doesn't compromise any of their flexibility for what what is already a championship level team. And so in that sense, I think it's really hard to give it anything other than an A. I
1: think that's fine. I think if Robert Williams or Al Herford suffer an injury in the postseason, this trade definitely becomes a home run, not a single. Um, it becomes like uh, a levy of like real import. Um, so yeah, it's probably a single in the grand scheme of things, but uh, just like worst case scenario, it really makes a difference for the Celtics, I think.
3: should also Let's... mention the disabled player exception for that buyout market gives Boston an edge over most other teams with $3.2 million worth of spending power
1: which we'll get to, we're going to stretch the content. We'll talk about the buyout market soon enough. But instead, I'm going to pause the action. I'm going to talk about our friends over at betonline.ag. And then Clemente, the Thunder made another trade. We're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about all the other trades or some of the other trades. There were a lot of them. BetOnline remains your number one source for all your Super Bowl betting this season. Get analysis on every play, prop, and point at betonline.ag. You'll find the latest odds and team matchup info, player news, and game trends over at Online, And with betting options for everything from the national anthem to the halftime show and even the Gatorade bath, BetOnline is your Super Bowl headquarters this season. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to check out the most comprehensive Super Bowl info on the web. Don't forget to use our promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit and get in on the betting action. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Clemente. The Thunder had another trade. They brought aboard Dario Saric and a second-round pick for Darius Basley. I think I have that right. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, um, heading into the deadline, Darius Baisley was like the most talked-about player uh, locally in terms of who could be traded away because he's going to be entering restricted free agency this upcoming summer, and he's basically been out of rotation this entire season, so it kind of felt like both the Thunder and Baisley were kind of parting ways there one way or another. Um, but, I mean, yeah, uh, Baisley goes to Phoenix. He, he's reunited with Chris Paul, um, who he had his best season under. Um, and he's gonna, probably going to fill a little bit of the McCall Bridges, Cam Johnson role that they lost in the, the Ram trade. Um, Baisley's best season. It's not surprising, Baisley's best, best season was his rookie season, where he was very limited on offense when it comes to just being a catch-and-shoot guy. Um, I'm expecting him to return to that type of role with Phoenix. Um, he can defend a little bit. Very athletic guy. Um, and yeah, I mean, Phoenix needed to shore up a little uh, on their depth after they, after they traded away a lot of it for, for Kevin Durant and Baisley's basically a solid player to, to acquire.
1: Was where was Baisley in the, in the depth chart? Because I guess Saric basically steps in for Moscala. Um, so that seems like an easy plug in place, but how are the Thunder going to miss Baisley? Uh, if at all,
2: I don't really think they'll miss Baisley all, uh, this season, I think He's averaging like the career low in minutes. Um, I think he's only averaging like fifteen minutes per game. He he he's had a bunch of uh DMPs, coaches' decisions. Um with the funder adding a ton of talent over the last couple of draft cycles, it only makes sense that Baisley's uh priority, or the funders priority with Baisley kinda kinda lowered throughout the last couple of years. Um, so in terms of like missing Baisley, I don't really think they're gonna miss him that much because he just wasn't getting a ton of minutes because the funder have younger, probably more talented players to prioritize with developmental reps and minutes.
3: Fair
1: enough. Um, do you anticipate any member uh, of the Thunder being uh, bought out and joining that that rich buyout market?
2: Uh, I mean, I think it's already been reported. Um, I forgot who, but I think someone reported Justin Jackson's going to get bought out. So oh. he's the first guy that comes to mind. Um but like besides that, maybe Dario Sarge. But like if you buy a Dario Sarge, then the Thunder are gonna have two open roster spots. Um, I, I'm thinking Sarge probably stays just because of that to to fill in some minutes and to have an extra body. Um, but yeah, I mean Justin Jackson is probably the the most likely one.
1: All right, that's I mean that's gonna change the playoff race pretty heavily. Uh, <laughs> just while we have you on the Thunder, and then we'll we'll crack it open for the rest of the trade deadline. I haven't looked into this in a while. Is there any chance Chet comes back this season, Chet Holmgren?
2: Uh, no, the funder made it pretty obvious, uh, multiple times now that Chet's not coming back this season. I know, like, some fans, um, for uh, are are kind of hoping that that's not the case, especially since they're probably, I mean, if you look at their strength for schedule, they have like the third easiest schedule remaining, and they're like in the thick of the playing race. Um, so all dart are probably gonna be in the plan at least. Um, Mm -hmm. and I know some fans are clamoring, like, well, does that mean Chet can play in the playoffs? but no, the funder made it pretty clear that Chet's not coming back this season. Um and talking to other reporters around here as well, they've they've said the same thing. Um and not only yeah, that, but like if Chet comes back this season, I think he loses his eligibility to to win rookie of the year next year. So oh, just, interesting. Yeah, so it just wouldn't make any sense from like a personal point of view to come back and play a couple of games in April and lose that possibility of like getting all of those rookie accolades. So yeah, I put it in zero percent or as close to zero percent as you can get.
1: Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, I just I knew that I hadn't really thought about it in a little bit and I wanted to ask. All right, let's uh let's open things up and we'll we'll start with some of the more consequential transactions and then if we have time, we'll talk about some of the other ones. Uh, probably the most important one. Uh let me let me peel that back. The most important one and perhaps the most important transaction in the history of the modern trade deadline, Kevin Durant and T.J. Warren are headed to Phoenix in exchange for Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, four first-round picks, and a 28-pick swap. Clemente, I know you have to go. Oop, we lost him. Never mind. He didn't want to talk about Durant. Um. Yeah, okay. Let me pose this to you all. Uh, I have a friend who thinks that this was a really good deal for the Nets. I don't think that I, or more accurately that the Nets did a good job in the past three years. I don't think that at all. I think it's like, they did a good job of what they
3: had, but they've done a terrible job in the last three years.
0: Yeah. I think that's pretty clear. I mean, anytime that you go from having championship or bust expectations to being a fun, plucky core, that is not going to win anything. That's got to be deemed an organizational
1: failure. Yeah, like a hilarious, like a, a unbelievable dereliction of duty. Okay, cool. I, I knew I was right about that. Um, any thoughts on the Durant trade? I mean, the Suns I think now have the third best title odds. Uh, yeah, the the caveats are pretty obvious, but uh, I think it's just like outstanding work from the, from the Suns.
0: It is outstanding work from the Suns. And what's really crazy about this trade to me is that, you know, one of the things that was difficult about trading Kevin Durant in the summer was that a lot of teams couldn't position themselves to trade for Kevin Durant without severely compromising their future in an immediate win now move. The Suns have managed to thread the needle of positioning themselves to be a true blue 1A title contender right now, while still having a solid core of DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker to fall back on in case Chris Paul and Kevin Durant end up over the hill in the near future. I mean, Cameron, I don't know about you, but I, I think that this team, as currently assembled, even with the depth issues that they might have from gutting their roster a little bit to get Kevin Durant, to me, they strike me as the clear favorite on paper in the Western Conference now. I just can't imagine how you're supposed to guard a stagger screen set with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, and then also having DeAndre Ayton underneath to clean up and Chris Paul organizing the whole thing. They're not a perfect team. And I think it's exceedingly likely that it will take perhaps longer than this season for the Suns to be at their best. But just from a raw talent perspective, this is I think the best team in the Western Conference. I
3: I think injuries stop them they the age the injury factor i think that's the only real thing sorry i didn't mean to cut you off cam
1: no i was going to explain my uh confusing behavior for the youtube crowd um justin i think you're right about the the injuries and i think you know there's a world where ayton and monty williams aren't getting along there's a world where chris paul is quite unhappy um but yeah alex is right this is the best team in the west and it's probably not even close um the reason i was looking at my phone is the celtics injury report just came out for friday not that it matters because they're playing um, the Hornets, but it's a two pager on Twitter. We haven't seen one of those in a while. Jalen is out. We can talk about that now if we want. Um, Gallo's out. Horford might be back. Smart is out. Tatum is sick. And Robert Williams is probable. So the Hospital Celtics are back. And uh, it just caught my attention. So sorry for the YouTube. No, crowd. that's
3: important stuff. Uh,
1: Do we? Well, let's talk about Jalen's. At the end, we don't know that much other than it yeah. sucks, it sucks, it sucks, it sucks. Um, any other thoughts on the Durant trade? It's it's a biggie. I mean, we were spoiled rotten this trade, that line.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do think that like the Brooklyn Nets, at least from a trading perspective, probably did about as well as they could in this situation. If you know that Kevin Durant is trying to get out, I really like Mikhail Bridges uh and his long-term trajectory as a player, and I think they have now a very intriguing young core with a lot of movable pieces in uh cam johnson coming back in that deal as well they got a lot of pick value for uh Jay crowder five second rounders which is ridiculous um and you know i think brooklyn is now in a situation where they go probably seven eight nine players deep of like these are solid nba starters any one of which could be moved for an upgrade of some significance uh in the near future now We've seen what happens when the Brooklyn Nets, you know, take a promising young core with a lot of movable assets and go all in for a superstar. I think there's definitely some organizational problems that Brooklyn needs to work through before they are really in a position to contend again. But as far as getting value for Kevin Durant, you know, it's hard to do better than two promising young players, one of which is probably going to make an all-star team or at least a couple in their future, uh, and then four unprotected first-round picks and one pick swap. That's that's about as good as you're going to do in that situation.
3: Probably we should also consider the fact that two top 25 players in the league are now no longer in the Celtics' way to the Eastern Conference Finals and beyond. So I think that's also something very important.
0: Oh, I'm considering it, Justin. There's only yeah. one team in the Eastern Conference that gives me any sort of sweat at this point. Can we talk it's, about them? Well... I think it's probably a logical transition.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, so uh, you, I know that you're talking about the Bucks and the Bucks. We're talking did, about the Bucks. <laughs> did land Jay Crowder? Yeah. Did uh, send out George Hill and Serge Ibaka as part of that trade? Do I have that right?
3: Well, um, yeah, no, like to set, to separate teams, not really connecting them, but as a result of trying to functionally the yeah. and make
1: them okay. Yeah. So yeah,
0: and five seconds
1: yeah but like what what's in a second round pick you know like by literally my hopes, not much <laughs> 48 times second round picks were traded at the straight deadline okay so the Bucs get Jay Crowder we haven't seen Jay Crowder play in a while for uh I guess obvious reasons for anyone who's paying paying attention this season what do you want to say about the Bucs Alex now that we're post deadline
0: I mean what I want to say about the Bucs is I don't particularly think that like the Jay Crowder move is going to make them massively better than they were. He's a solid rotation player, at least, or was a solid rotation player. Um, and I think the thing that the Bucs have been worried about is they need to have more bodies to throw at Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Uh, and Jay Crowder is that, but it doesn't strike me as like a massive ceiling razor for them. The Bucs will always live and die by their true superstar, Giannis. And if Giannis is on fire, it doesn't really matter who's around him because he is probably the best player in the world at this point. Um, if Giannis struggles, as he has in the past with the Celtics defense during the course of a seven game series, then the Bucs will probably not win. And I don't think that Jay Crowder has a whole lot of outcome impact as far as whether the Bucks win or lose that series. I think one thing that it does for them is it gives them an option for uh, taking Grayson Allen out of the rotation, a guy who the Celtics absolutely abused in their playoff series last year. Um, it just gives them a little bit more lineup flexibility for what I think now, given uh, what we saw from the Philadelphia 76ers last night has to be considered the overwhelmingly likely Eastern conference finals matchup. Um, and we'll see how that goes. But um I, th- I think it's a good deal for them. I don't think it's one that particularly raises their title
3: odds significantly. Don't disagree.
1: Yeah. I think the Grayson Allen thing is really important. I mean, now they can roll out a team that has absolutely no defensive liabilities. And in fact has only plus defenders if Jake Crowder is, is still the player we think he is. So yeah, that's a problem, but we'll put a pin in that for later. Um, it's lonely at the top. I mean, part of being a defending champ or a conference champion is you don't really need to tinker with the formula. So the Celtics made an important move, but they also didn't make many moves. And instead, the rest of the league lost its mind. Uh, I think, what was it, 21 transactions or something like that? We really, <laughs> we spend a lot of time saying this to be a quiet deadline. We were loud wrong about that. Um, I want to talk about two specific teams. And then with the remaining time, we'll just kind of talk about whatever we want to talk about. Jakob Purtle is headed to Canada to play for the Toronto Raptors yet again. He is not coming to Boston. Justin, can you talk us through what we know about why he didn't become a Boston Celtic and if it matters?
3: Well, the inclusion of a first round pick that is not a Boston Celtics first round pick was probably the deal breaker. Uh, Boston is not going to throw in, you know, one of their own first round picks plus second round picks plus all the salary and the talent they would have needed to get that deal done. It wouldn't realistically have been a net positive, particularly with the likelihood that Pirtle could leave in the summertime as a free agent if he wasn't happy with the size of the role he was getting. And he probably wouldn't have been happy with the size of the role he was getting. So that was really the right move for them as far as on the Toronto side of things. What are they doing? I mean, like, this is going to get them maybe, maybe out of the first round. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, what's the plan here, guys?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's worth pointing out that uh, by bringing in Moscala, the Celtics trade uh, increased their tax bill by $7 million. And so bringing in uh, Pertle would have just increased it that much more. So, you know, the team send, said they wanted to spend, but this is a way for them to improve the big man rotation without spending too, too much. Justin, to your point, uh, we'll talk about this later because it's still February, but right now the play-in team's are going to be probably, uh, yeah. Justin is saying, well, if they got uh fertile they'd have to match salary, but you know they would
3: whatever. It could have it could have been a fairly. It could have more been expensive. A yeah, yeah been it could have. Yeah, it would
1: have been more expensive because yeah, whatever. It's over. It didn't happen. um The playing teams are going to be something like the Nets, the Heat, the Knicks, the Hawks, the Bulls, the Raptors. I guess maybe the Wizards. Charitably, um there are a few teams in there that would not be a fun first round matchup, and. The, the, the Raptors, there's nothing wrong with them except for the chemistry, I suppose. I mean, this, this is supposed to be a good collection of players, and it is a good collection of players. So, Justin, to your point, I have no idea what they're doing except that if they think that they can, you know, wash away the stench and recapture some of the magic from last season, that's suddenly like a really, really scary play in first round opponent. But let's put a pin in that because it's February. Uh, I mean, I don't know, Alex, this was a team that like really pushed the Celtics. Uh, not to their limits, but has given them troubles not too long ago.
0: Given the season that Fred Van Vliet has been having and the kind of regression that Scotty Barnes has been showing, not that I don't think he'll be a good player, I just think he's very young, um, and as well as some noise that maybe the chemistry in Toronto is not super great right now, I have a really hard time seeing this team being a significant (laughs) factor in the playoffs, um, and I don't particularly feel afraid of them in the first round maybe i'll eco on that in the future but this just strikes me as a very strange move for a team that seems a little bit in denial about where it's at
1: i suspect many people were saying that about the boston celtics this time last year okay uh let's also talk about the lakers because speaking of a team that's in denial uh, uh the lakers no longer employ russell westbrook he is, I don't know where he's headed because he was headed to Utah, but he's almost definitely going to get bought out. Um, D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt are coming to LA. Thomas Bryant is gone. Patrick Beverly is gone. Uh, Mobamba is in. Uh Reed, who I never heard of, is in. The Lakers really shuffled the deck and importantly got rid of a lot of um, interesting players. Shout out to Mike Connolly, who's going to the Timberwolves that's kind of interesting but god
0: I feel I feel bad for Mike Conley he doesn't need that mess anyway continue why the Timberwolves will make the playoffs I am skeptical we'll see
1: uh they're more likely to make the playoffs than the Jazz were
0: I mean I think that's probably right I I also don't necessarily think that they have done a great job of team building and I no no one thinks that I I kind of think they don't even even think that my thinking is that
3: they might think that well so there's been some rumbles that they support uh their new GM's decision to make that trade with Danny Ainge even still and they're giving Mm -hmm. him more than this season to sort it out shall we say uh that might be and probably is cover story but for at least the external view they are supportive still I
0: get the Timberwolves desire to move off of D'Angelo Russell. I've never been a huge fan of his game, but I have to say this move makes them worse in the immediate term. Like D'Angelo Russell was having a pretty good season for them. And Mike Conley is just not as good of a player as D'Angelo Russell at this time. I think that the Timberwolves are going to really struggle to find offense. And particularly given that they also sent out Uh, Malik Beasley and Vanderbilt uh, I just I I really have a hard time seeing how they got better in a lot of ways I feel like they got worse and Mike Conley you know I think he's a solid pro I think he's a good locker room leader Um, there's a lot of things that I still like about his game but D'Angelo Russell is better than Mike Conley and has been basically all season and I I just I just don't understand anyway continue
1: No, that's good enough for me I mean Neither none of those teams play in the Eastern Conference, so it's not. A huge... I think it's
3: important, though, in that this was clearly a move for them to try to get to their own banner eight team. Yeah, and good luck with that. Yeah, I don't think that you know this is going to be the team to get there. But as far as that goes, uh, I do think they're going to be a team that gets out of the first round in the Western Conference. Uh, playoffs. But again, for our perspective, they're not going to be a factor. I think.
0: I do want to talk about this Lakers team for just a moment. Cause they really did. Reshuffle. Wasn't that who we
1: were just talking about?
0: It was, but we didn't really get into it. And now I want
3: to talk about it. <laughs>
0: okay. Um, so the Lakers, obviously they bring in D'Angelo Russell, significant upgrade at the point guard uh, over Russell Westbrook at this point in his career. Um, I think probably a player who could actually play pretty well off of LeBron James, um, they end up also bringing... the
1: perfect scapegoat if you can't.
0: Yes, true. Um, they bring in Mo Bamba uh, after shipping out Patrick Beverly. They get Dave Daveon Reed, fine. Um, they also bring in Beasley and Vanderbilt. You know, these are four pretty solid players that they just brought in uh, as well too. as Reed. Yeah, no, I, I'm including Bamba in that. Like the the, the Lakers got some real guys here. And they only gave up one first-round pick to do it. So ostensibly, I think this is really good work by Rob Palinka to get the Lakers uh, to a better place as far as both their immediate ceiling now as well as long-term uh, flexibility and what they're able to do. It still does not feel like this Lakers team is going to be that much better than they currently are. I think they're probably going to make the playoffs now. I think I think we can probably peg that but they don't strike me as being like better than like a seven seed. And I think this doesn't answer their bigger, more existential questions about um, an aging LeBron James and about uh, what to do with Anthony Davis. So I will be interested to see what they can do with this team, both heading into the playoffs and also more importantly, what they're going to do in the off season, because I feel like this sets the Lakers up in a much better position for off season acquisitions than it does anything else.
1: Yeah. It's funny. I think, I think, I think that too, but if um, Malik Biza and Jared Vanderbilt were only good enough to get you Russell Westbrook, then like maybe not, maybe the consensus on these assets is much lower than we thought they perhaps were. Um, it's definitely a move for the offseason. The Lakers stink. The Lakers are going to continue to stink. I mean, th- you don't win multiple playoff rounds, let alone like a hard fought Western conference playoff round with unproven talent from lottery teams and a 38 year old LeBron James, it's just not going to happen. So it's smart. It's better than it was a few days ago, but no, the Lakers are, the Lakers are hot doo-doo. Okay. Uh, we're running longer than we thought. Uh, we've got plenty of weeks to to understand what this means for the East, what this means for the West. Let's close. Let's each pick a trade that we didn't talk about that we want to shout out and maybe tell us the emotion that it makes us feel. I'll do a bonus one. I'll give you an example. John Wall being traded to Houston makes me feel sad. Uh, There's just no no way around it. It's a sad thing for uh, what seems like a very good man and a man who's fought really hard. So John Wall, I'm thinking about you. I hope you get bought out by the Houston Rockets again and find a new place to play. So that's the example. That's not my... That's not my answer. What are the Clippers doing?
3: Yeah, what are the Clippers doing with their with their backcourt? I, I have no idea. As, a, as gonna, an aside, I don't want to get into it. I'm just putting it out there.
1: They're bringing back Patrick Beverly, obviously.
3: Uh, For me, the trade of Josh Richardson for Devontae Graham in second round picks to the Pelicans makes me happy. He'll get some run there. It'll make the team better. And they will make a serious postseason run on the Pelicans, uh, rather than him languishing. No offense to Pop, he's running a great ship. Uh, but they're doing anything over there this season. And seeing Jay Richkin getting some postseason burn will make me happy.
0: For me, the clusterfuck of a trade between Golden State and Atlanta, Detroit, and Portland makes me confused and angry. Um, <laughs> Sadiq Bey, fine. Moving off of him, I get like Detroit taking a big swing on Wiseman. They have a lost season anyway. And if Wiseman doesn't work out, guess what? Victor Wembanyama is probably waiting for you at the end. So I think from Detroit's perspective, I understand it. Sadiq Bey to Atlanta, what is that really doing for you? Like you already have a glut of wings that are okay, but not great. You're still kind of floating around the eight seed, not making any significant progress. I just don't get it. I don't I don't understand why.
3: They hate um, John Collins is why. They just want to make him as mad as possible by finding other players vaguely similar to him and uh, not trade him. For the Portland
0: Trailblazers, they're the ones I'm really mad at in this. Portland, what are we doing here? Are you trying to get good players to put around Dame or are you trying to get rid of players and sell off assets and get picks? Because at at a certain point, you need to decide, like, let's get serious. If you're going to trade Dame, trade Dame. If you're not going to trade Dame, keep getting players to try and build around it. It just makes no sense. Like, why would you get rid of Gary Payton Jr. in this situation after you signed him with the purpose of bolstering up your thin wing rotation just to, like, build a better team around Damian Lillard? Why? And for the Warriors, I am, of course, infuriated because I didn't want them to get Gary Payton Jr. back. Gary Payton Jr. gave me nightmares in the finals last year, and I'm very tired of seeing Golden State capitalize on stupid teams like the Portland Trailblazers who have no idea what they're doing. So this trade makes me upset and confused.
1: (laughs) Uh, So the trade that I was going to shout out was Portland (laughs) and New York uh, swapping Josh Hart for Cam Reddish. Uh, Archie Tiacano, who I didn't even know was still in the league. um, Someone I've never heard of, <laughs> a protected first-round pick. Uh, I like that trade a lot. I thought it was a great trade for the Knicks. Um, They get a nice, solid player, good locker room guy, and they can keep doing Tom Thibodeau stuff. I liked it for Portland. I thought Cam Reddish was an interesting flyer. Um, This is a shadow tank. They're going to let Dame Lillard continue to pull from the logo for you know, a few more weeks, he will probably shut him down in April with a BS injury. Yeah.
3: I have a prediction for how uh Dane finally is going to be traded.
1: But, Bradley to the Lakers? Beal. but then what if, why why? If the if the Blazers trade Damian because, Lillard
3: for
0: Bradley, because, Beal, okay, so they should you know be it's abolished just abolished as a franchise. Wait, if they do that. What they're doing is they're locking themselves into the exact same path that they're currently That's on. That's why. That's why. Justin just lit player. a
1: match, and, <laughs> and I just walked away.
0: like. Why would you ever do that? That would be. Such I mean, why a are they doing what they're doing?
3: Game. It just doesn't make any sense on either end. Get it together, Portland.
1: I thought it was okay. They got five. Well, who got the? Who got all the? Se- they got five second round picks.
3: It's unclear if some of these second round picks are being rerouted. Or if there are yeah. just more second-round picks. I guess we're going to find out sometime after this plot ends. So, keep an eye out.
1: All right, anyways. Uh, the Knicks quietly had a, a fine deadline. Um, the, the Kings of New York, the New York Knicks, not the Brooklyn Nets. It's nice we get to root for the Brooklyn Nets again. Because, well, except Josiah and Sean Longs are absolute bozos. Okay, anyways. Happy trade deadline to all who observed. Uh, welcome to the team, Mike Mascala. Thanks to uh, Clemente Alamanza from Thunderwire for hopping on and talking to us. And thanks for liking and subscribing. We'll catch you later.